Welcome, it is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number, if you would like to be a part of the program, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is important, out of the gate, I need you to know this. Um, Important housekeeping matter before I get into the the bombing Iran story. Um, Those of you who have been texting Atlanta to 345-345 to uh, sign up for the Resurgent Conference uh, August 1st to the 4th, that doesn't sign you up. What happens is you get a text message back with a link to Eventbrite, and you have to click through that link to Eventbrite uh, in order to register for the conference. Just texting Atlanta to 345-345 doesn't sign you up. you got to follow the link back. you got to pay for your registration all that. Now, uh, if you want to come, please come. It looks like we may wind up getting the governor of Tennessee there as well, in addition to the governor of Georgia, uh, Bill Lee, talking to his team right now. We've also locked in our big name that I can't tell you about because security has to deal with their stuff first, and i got to find some presidential piping and blue draping and stuff to go along with all of it but uh when we do announce it we're going to be jacking up the ticket price so um if you want to come text atlanta to three four five three four five you'll get a link back follow that link to register uh you probably ought to do it now before i jack up the ticket cost uh it's going to be awesome also if you want to sponsor the event um if you have a business that wants to be a sponsor let us know because uh our one of our big sponsors had to drop out and i've got to find some more money to cover the security and blue draping and stuff that the advanced team for the big VIP needs. Uh, now, um, we need to talk about the Trump-Iran uh, strike situation. He's going to be on with uh, Chuck Todd on NBC's Meet the Press this Sunday. They've released some of the interview in advance. I want to play for you this clip of the president talking to Chuck Todd on NBC's Meet the Press, which you can see this weekend on NBC. So did you green light something or had you said, yeah. if Nothing's, we do it, I'll do this? What was yeah. what was the order you gave? Nothing is green lighted until the very end because things okay. change, right? So you never gave a final no, order? No, 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 no. But we had something ready to go subject to my approval. And they came in and they uh, came in about a half an hour before. They said, sir, we're about ready to go. I said, uh, I want a better Planes definition. Planes in the air? Were planes no, no, in the we're air? about ready to go. Yeah. Uh, no, but they would have been pretty soon. Uh, and things would have happened to a point where you wouldn't turn back or couldn't turn back. So uh, they came and they said, sir, we're ready to go. We'd like a decision. I said, I want to know something before you go. How many people will be killed? In this case, Iranians. Mm-hmm. I said, how many people are going to be killed? Uh, sir, I'd like to get back to you on that. Great people, these generals. They said, uh, came back, said, sir, approximately 150. And I thought about it for a second. And I said, you know what? They shot down an unmanned uh, drone, mm-hmm. plane, whatever you want to call it. And here we are sitting with 150 dead people that would have taken place probably within a half an hour after I said, go ahead. Yeah. And I didn't like it. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was proportionate. So the president, now there are mixed reports of the White House, and that, that was kind of why uh, Chuck Todd was probing there, is planes were apparently, if, if I've got all of this right, and, and again, um, you just heard Chuck Todd, and the White House staff has been talking on background, including to me about this, it appears what happened, there were planes in the air, they were loaded with missiles ready to launch, uh, having been told the president uh, planned to take action, the president told them to proceed with plans that allowed them to get the planes in the air, um, but that he would give final confirmation once the president had a tally of how many people might die because of the strike. The president was told approximately 150 people would die. He decided uh, land the planes don't fire the missiles, uh, it's disproportionate response. Now, what's so interesting here today is is the fallout reaction from people on the left in the media, all of whom are desperate to criticize the president, desperate to attack his position, but also need to commend him for not doing what they feared he would do, which is actually bomb Iran. 
Uh, that is not actually what happened. Now, what I think really happened, if we can go from the explanation of the news to what I actually think happened, I think the president wanted to send a signal to Iran that you almost got blown up and your people almost died. And in this president's mind, the way to do that was to have planes in the air ready to go, ready to fire missiles, and he leaked it to the press. This was clearly a White House leak, first of all. Uh, one of the reasons I know it was a White House leak was how so freely people from the White House were willing to talk on background, which is, is actually a rarity in this White House. They'll talk on background, uh, but they don't often volunteer to do so. Um, the other thing is that so many news outlets so very quickly had the story that the president had given orders to launch the planes with the missiles and then walked it back. Uh, th this had to be a coordinated leak from the White House. It, it couldn't be anything but that. But what I think happened is the White House presumed uh, that the American media would cover this the way they wanted it covered, which is the president was willing to pull the trigger, but because of the loss of Iranian lives, decided not to. The way the media actually covered it was, oh, the president's dithering and waffling and sending mixed signals. I, I think there are still people within the White House, perhaps within the national security apparatus, uh, some of whom are holdovers from prior administrations, who think that the media will, when it comes to national security, treat this president as they've treated other presidents. And, and the reality is that they are so hostile to this president Everything this president does is treated in the worst possible light, including this. Uh, the president ordered planes into the air with missiles, wanted to get a, a potential casualty count, was given the potential casualty count, and told the planes to stand down. That is what happened. That's what he tried to explain to Chuck Todd. Uh, the way the media is reporting this is this is a president exercising indecision. Uh, this is a president uh, dithering. This is a president who can't make up his mind. I don't think from talking to people in the White House who know what actually happened, I don't think that was actually the scenario, but that is the way it's being interpreted by the media. That leads to a whole nother bag of worms we'll get to. The problem with the way the media is covering this, and you know, I, I realize we're not supposed to give the president the benefit of the doubt. I, I am trying to give the commander in chief the benefit of the doubt here in how they intended it to be conveyed, largely because I have a lot of, lot of dear longtime good friends within the national security apparatus who are helping him, and they assure me this is so, that it, it's not the chaotic indecision that is being portrayed in the media, but that's a problem because much of the rest of the world depends on the American media to interpret what's going on with the president in the same way we depend on, for example, China Daily or uh, Pravda or, or what have you to interpret the actions of regimes around the world. Uh, the world depends on the American media to try to process our president's actions. And so when the American media is processing our president's actions as dithering indecision, that's how the rest of the world is going to look at it as well. And maybe they're right. I know if you're a partisan progressive, you tend to think this was dithering indecision. I'm just telling you, uh, I have a lot of very good trusted friends and the way they characterize what the president did is very much how the president tried to explain it to Chuck Dodd, although I think he could have done a better job of explaining it. And that is, um, let's get the planes in the air to show we mean business. We're not actually going to fire the missiles. We just want to saber rattle. And we're not going to escalate because Iran shot down a drone. We're not going to kill 150 Iranians in response. That's what Iran would do. That's... I think the thought process the White House went through, that is not the way the media sought to or did cover it. Um, that is all really a problem when the rest of the world is using American media to interpret the president's intentions. That suggests to me that Iran is probably going to escalate this further, not de-escalate, because they now think that the president is weak and dithering. And that, that's, that's a real problem. Listen... Uh, if you're a longtime listener of this program, you know I'm not a huge fan of this president, uh, even if I'm going to vote for him, uh, given the other side. Uh, we, we certainly are cordial to each other and have talked now on the phone several times. And uh, I, I'm certainly a big admirer of, of plenty of people in his administration, longtime friend of the vice president. He's got a ton of people surrounding him, though, uh, who give him good advice. And all of them tell me that the president does, contrary to so much of the media, the president does process their advice. 
and he does take it to heart, and he is a serious president and takes his role as commander-in-chief very, very seriously, even if the media doesn't convey that. The media is so hostile to him. So many people in this administration I talk to tell me that the media just refuses to give him a fair shake. They, they refuse to take, for example, the situation with Joe Biden, or not with Joe Biden, um, with uh, Jerry Nadler. Jerry Nadler, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, repeatedly in the interview of Hope Hicks referred to her as Ms. Lewandowski. It sounded deeply condescending, and yet members of the media have rushed forth to defend Nadler. No, 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 he was confused. Jerry Nadler's a good guy. He would never intentionally do this. He's a gentleman. Notice how members of the media are giving Jerry Nadler a benefit of the doubt they would never give to Donald Trump, who they don't know. They know Jerry Nadler, and so they give him the benefit of the doubt. None of them actually know the president. They don't want to have anything to do with the president, so they refuse to give him the benefit of the doubt, and that's what it is here. Kudos, by the way, to Chuck Todd, who let the president just talk through this. Uh, Chuck Todd probing it for inconsistencies, trying to get the president to be clear on what he actually did. I think it's a very good interview. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the whole thing on Sunday. Uh, Chuck Todd is a very good interviewer in these situations. The president, um, he's he's concerned about the media coverage. You clearly realize there's a change within this administration that they're willing to go on a, a show like Meet the Press that the president has avoided for three years. There's clearly something up with the White House and their messaging as they head into campaign season. And good for him being willing to go on TV and explain this decision. Uh, unfortunately, I think there are people in the White House who need to remember that no matter what they do, the media is going to look at it through the worst possible lens. And that's what happened here. I'm so excited to have Blinds.com sponsoring the show because I actually need new blinds. And I've been thinking about going there and I really didn't know a lot about them. Then they asked to sponsor the podcast. I've heard others sponsor them as well. We've got some um, wooden shutters and you know what? Blinds.com can take care of you. For many of us, our blinds or whatever you have in the window, they're an afterthought. But with brand new made-to-order custom window coverings from Blinds.com, you can really transform the look and feel of your entire home. When they're right, everything in your home looks better. When they're wrong, the home looks cheap. And you know what? If you need new blinds, go to Blinds.com. With 15 million windows covered and over 30,000 five-star customer reviews, Blinds.com is America's number one online retailer for affordable quality custom window coverings whether you're looking for energy efficiency you just moved you want to refresh your homes blinds.com makes the whole experience fast and easy blinds.com makes it fast and easy you get free samples free shipping free online design consultation what you can do is you can send them pictures of your house they send it back custom recommendations from a professional about what works with your color scheme your furniture your specific rooms they'll even send you free samples to make sure everything's good in person and this is the best part if you accidentally mismeasure or pick the wrong color if you made a mistake Blinds.com is going to remake the blinds for free. They are really easy to use, really easy to work with. For a limited time, you get $20 off at Blinds.com when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. That's Blinds.com. Your promo code is ERIC for $20 off. Faux wood blinds, cellular shades, roller shades, they got a lot. Blinds.com, promo code ERIC. Rules and restrictions apply. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. It's Friday, so we're a little freer on the phones and your topics. There's a mind-blowing story about the National Rifle Association we need to get into here in a minute. I got time here. I'm going to bare my soul for a minute because I know what, some of you are going through the same sort of stuff. I am stressed almost to my limit. Prayers are greatly appreciated. Uh, my conference is August 1st through the 4th, and I can't tell you who the, I've been dropping hints. I think you can figure it out who our very big speaker is going to be. The security issues, we can't make it public yet. Um, he'll be coming in a very big airplane tying up Atlanta traffic, um, and I can't tell you who it is yet, um, but it's driven up the costs because of security and everything else. 
I had a sponsor bail. I got to find new sponsors. I can feel my chest tightening. Talk about this. It's going to be an awesome conference. And I'm trying not to bankrupt my family or the resurgent having this conference. Um, it's just, it, it is, it, you know, one of my big frustrations with conservative conferences, and I know many of you have never been to uh, even the red state conference in the past, but if you go to a typical political conference, it's politicians stand on stage and they, uh, they just talk. Uh, they give you a campaign speech, and I didn't want that. And so the difference with this conference is every single person who speaks has to sit on stage with me and answer my questions and your questions. You're allowed to submit questions. They can't give a speech. They got to answer questions. They got to have a conversation. I, I want to talk to these people about the debt, the deficit, the rise of socialism. What, what's the president's future plans? Um, if you want to come, text Atlanta to 345-345. Follow the Eventbrite link back to register. If you want to sponsor, let me know. I'll come beg if I need to. It is me, Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. i got to get into this NRA story, but before I do, uh, I want to go to Danny and Flowery Branch. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Um, what I wanted to ask you about is, um, when Iran initially shot down the uh, the drone, the president came out and said that he believed that it must have been a general that had gone rogue or off script or something of that, that nature. But immediately uh, the Iranian government came out and defended aggressively uh, the action they take and went as far as to say that they had actually warned the United States before they had done that. And I'm trying to see how those two things jive. I, I think – if I have to guess, the president is trying to de-escalate the situation, uh, very much as he's done with North Korea in the past, to show he's giving them the benefit of the doubt. He's not imputing bad motives to them. Uh, and in this case, unlike the North Koreans, the Iranians are saying, no, no, it, we are bad and we are fearful and you should be scared of us. Uh, listen, the Iranians are okay starting World War Three. And, and I think people need to understand that this is not about the United States. This is about Saudi Arabia. Uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia are bitter, bitter enemies. They've been fighting a proxy war in Yemen and in Syria to some degree, but mostly Yemen. Uh, they do not like that the United States is, is handing nuclear materials uh, and technology to Saudi Arabia to build nuclear, uh, not nuclear weapons, but nuclear reactors, which could then eventually be used to build nuclear weapons. Uh, we are also sending Saudi Arabia weapons. We're entering into a big deal with Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure it's a good de good idea, but we are. And so Iran is trying to harm us because they're trying to harm Saudi Arabia. They do not like Saudi Arabia. They are bitter, bitter enemies have long been enemies, and they also obviously don't like Israel. Israel and Saudi Arabia have been getting very close. It's one of the, the stories the media hasn't been reporting a lot, is ties between Israel and Saudi Arabia have gotten to be very strong in the last decade as both of them look on in horror with what's happening in Iran. The Iranians want to develop nuclear weapons. They are developing an alliance with Russia. Uh, this is a deeply destabilizing situation over there. And so the president saying this is trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, and, and the Iranians are basically saying, you don't have to give us the benefit of the doubt. We're going to own this. Uh, you can't stop us. The Iranians also think that they can fight asymmetrically. Uh, they can fund terrorists to come after us in a way we can't to come after them. And the Iranian regime, you have to remember, is perfectly willing to kill all their citizens uh, to advance their agenda. Now, on that happy note, we should move on. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. If you are a gun rights advocate or activist, you probably know there's been turmoil the National Rifle Association, they had a very messy, nasty convention all over North, was pushed out the door. Uh, there's something going on there, and I'm not sure what it is, but I was tipped off to a story earlier today, and I saw, I, I, I saw the data with my own eyes. You can go to theresurgent.com if you want and, and see it yourself. Um, and by the way, you know, if you text the word show to, th uh, to not, if you text show to 444 999, 
444-9999. Text the word show. Uh, it'll sign you up for my daily email, and you'll get this in your inbox. So you don't have to go to remember to go to the website. It'll be in your inbox in the morning. Um, the NRA has a lawyer, and they're suing Ackerman McQueen. Ackerman McQueen is the big outside advertising and marketing agency where the NRA is one of their biggest clients. They were largely founded, I think, to help the NRA, if I remember that story right. Um, they, they launched NRA TV and a bunch of other properties. And the NRA is now suing Ackerman McQueen, claiming Ackerman McQueen essentially took all their money inappropriately. So here's the weird thing. The NRA's lawyer is a guy named William Brewer. And he's a massive donor to the Democratic Party. He donated money to Hillary Clinton, Beto O'Rourke, Ted Strickland, Barack Obama, all of them anti-gun Democrats. All of them wanted to. He, he gave huge amounts of money to the Democratic Campaign Congressional Committee at a time the Democratic candidates were campaigning on gun control. That's the lawyer the NRA has hired. But here's where it gets weird. The same lawyer the NRA has hired that's that's suing Ackerman McQueen is kin to the top two executives at that marketing agency. How is this even possible? He's the son-in-law of one of the executives at Ackerman McQueen. He's the brother-in-law of another of the top executives at Ackerman McQueen through marriage. He's married to one of the founders of that marketing agency. And now he's the lawyer suing that marketing agency, even though by blood he's kin to him. And he's also a huge donor to anti-gun Democrats. What is the National Rifle Association doing? I mean, it sounds almost like they're trying to gut themselves from the inside out. Like, I, I don't know. Did, did some of the executives at, at the NRA decide that, you know what, we actually don't like the Second Amendment. Let's destroy the organization from the inside out. Sounds like that's what they're doing. This is truly a bizarre story. Um, I, I wrote that you can follow the links yourself. You can see the donations and everything. Uh, Stephen Gutowski at the Washington Examiner has a huge story today uh, that points out the, the relationship through marriage of this lawyer to the advertising agency that's being sued. I've heard from a couple of reporters that the NRA has been threatening reporters who are reporting this information, like, like harassing them, suggesting they shouldn't. Uh, release this information that 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 they may sue. I, I I don't know what's going on. It is bizarre, uh, really really bizarre. And if you're an NRA donor, you should know that the NRA's top lawyer in this lawsuit is a huge donor to anti-gun Democrats. Is your money really go being well? Apparently, they're, they're losing donors left and right too. It's just bizarre. I'm listen. I've kind of been paying to the attention to this NRA. First of all, I know a lot of you. Um, support the Second Amendment. Uh, most of you support the Second Amendment. Many of you are NRA members. We know one of the, the board members of the NRA is now from the Atlanta area. And I, I'm, it's just, it's really striking to me that here we have the NRA's big lawyer in a case against the NRA's marketing agency is not only kin to the executives at the marketing agency through marriage, but also has given a ton of his money to anti-gun Democrats. So essentially, the NRA is paying a man who in turn takes his his profit and gives it to anti-gun Democrats. Uh, why are they doing There are plenty. I know plenty of pro-Second Amendment lawyers who would be glad to, to be a lawyer. Why do you have to go find an anti-gun Democrat-supporting lawyer, NRA, to, to be your lawyer? That That's just deeply troubling to me. So deeply troubling. All right, we got to move on. I want to spend a little bit of time this evening on the Joe Biden situation and the Roy Moore situation. Before I get there, though, there is a story out this evening that Republicans are already fretting about the House representatives. They were hoping they would be able to take back the House representatives in 2020 with a big wave of Republican turnout for the president. But there's a problem. Like me and my, my conference— uh, the Republicans kind of suck at fundraising right now. The the National Republican Congressional Committee is behind on fundraising. The Democrats are cleaning their clock on this issue. Uh, and there are some Republicans who think the NRCC is dropping the ball left and right on these issues and needs to pick up the pace. Uh, I would presume that they do. Oh, shut up, Siri. 
Uh, I would presume that they do. When you, you got worrying, we are June 21st, the first day of summer. Happy first day of summer, by the way, the, the longest day of the year. When you've got Republicans fretting on the first day of summer in the year before the election season that the NRCC is falling behind, you got problems. You got problems. It doesn't work that way. So you got problems if this is leaking now. Uh, maybe they can turn it around, but uh, they're also worried now about the president's race because of polling around the country. But the White House has decided, you know, they may be able to get Hispanic voters on board. That'll be very interesting to see if they can. Before we get out of here uh, for commercial break, remember our nonprofit of the month is Help the Persecuted. Help the Persecuted is a Georgia-based nonprofit that works around the world to help persecuted Christians. One of the things they do that is so cool is your dollars, your donations to help the persecuted go to fund safe houses in Middle Eastern countries where Christians can hide if they're being persecuted. Uh, they, they fund safe houses. A lot of times in the Middle East, if you convert to Christianity from Islam, uh, there's a death warrant on your head. And so they fund safe houses to protect Christians. It, it is a very worthy nonprofit. And you can learn more about them by texting WSB to 345-345. They are our nonprofit this month, Help the Persecuted. They're Georgia-based. Great group. Uh, They travel all over the world helping persecuted Christians. Phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Stephen Lilburn, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, I haven't heard much about Kanye West and the president recently, and I was wondering if there's any effort being made to get somebody like Kanye, if not Kanye, to get on board with the campaign and go out to some of the inner cities and and try to get try to get more you know, uh, votes from Steve. I I, I don't think so. Um, well, not not Kanye, I, and I don't know that he would do it. And honestly, I mean, the president is is the best celebrity to do that himself. I think. Uh, I think having the president go make listen, y'all. I was thinking about this earlier today. It's funny this call should come up. Um, Democrats are now saying that black voters need to be reached out to uh, over Pete Buttigieg uh, and him being gay because black voters are deeply skeptical of having a nationwide uh, elected gay president. Um, Now, Buttigieg said that uh, Mike Pence thinking that was bigotry and discrimination, but suddenly polling shows uh, Hispanic, but particularly black voters are deeply skeptical of it. And, oh, they've just got to be wooed and persuaded. Uh, The president has the opportunity to go into the black community himself and the Hispanic community in particular and make the case that uh, the Democrats are not solving their problems. They've been voting Democrat for how long? And look at their situation. And now you got Democrats who want to place, pay slave reparations. The president is the perfect person to go into black neighborhoods and say, I'm a businessman. Let me tell you, they're, they want to pay you reparations because they're giving up on you. They want to be able to say, we gave them money, we're done. And who do you think is going to get the money? Look, look, at, look at leaders in the black community who, who profit by being associated with Democratic politicians. Let the president go into the black community and make that message. Let the president go out there and say reparations is all about them giving up on you. Let him do that. The president is the best celebrity to make the case himself to minority voters that he's got their best interests at heart and the Democrats don't. Uh, I think he has a better in with uh, Hispanic voters for historic reasons in this country with black voters voting Democrat, but I definitely think it's something he can do. Now, when we come back, we need to shift gears and we need to discuss Joe Biden and why he probably is going to be the Democratic nominee, even though everybody thinks he's toast. Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 
Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number. If you would like to be a part of this program, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to spend a little bit of time on the the Joe Biden stuff. And frankly, I think the media is trying to make Elizabeth Warren happen. Uh, it, you need to understand some things here. The media is mindful, reporters are mindful that they gave Donald Trump such overwhelming free publicity in 2015, 2016. They really did help him secure the Republican nomination. Now they're really trying to make Elizabeth Warren happen. Uh, numerous stories coming out about Elizabeth Warren and, and her growth of the polls and, and her crowds and, and her and what a wonderful person she is. Very much in the same vein of the Hillary Clinton stories in 2016 that everybody who works for Hillary Clinton loves her. I'm sorry, but if you got to do stories that everybody who works with her loves her, it's a pretty wide recognition that nobody else does. You know who doesn't like Elizabeth Warren? The people of Massachusetts. She has never polled well there. And I don't think if the people of Massachusetts who know her best don't like her, I don't think that other people really will either. But the media is trying to make it happen. And the main reason they're trying to make it happen is they need a race. The media needs ratings, but the Democrats do too. The Democrats need to keep attention. Um, they want to keep the Democratic fight at the forefront of people's imagination. Uh, if you go back to 2000, if you'll remember, George W. Bush's one of his campaign mottos throughout the primary and into the general was, oh, help is on the way. Help is on the way. After four years or eight years of Bill Clinton, help is on the way. And that's kind of the Democrats want to keep this at, at the forefront. But I've got to tell you, I think that the Twitter consensus is wrong. Now, you should know, uh, my buddy Philip, who is my managing editor at The Resurgent, uh, works with me on a regular basis. He's got a piece up at The Resurgent today, a text show to 444-999. Uh, get you on the daily email so you can see these links. He's got a piece up saying Biden isn't going to be the nominee, and he lists five factors why. I think Biden is going to be the nominee. Uh, and it's my show, not his show. So I'm going to tell you why I think so. <laughs> you can go to the resurgent. You can read Philip. Here, here's the thing: Twitter and Facebook are not the real world, and they are disproportionately hostile to Joe Biden because they are disproportionately young activist oriented, young progressive activist oriented. Who is the number one voter category within the Democratic primary? Who who votes more in the Democratic primary than anyone else? Black women. Who is the number one pick for black women in America? If you say Kamala Harris, you're wrong. The number one pick for black women in America is Joe Biden. Do you know why black women in America love Joe Biden? Because he was the vice president for the man they love, Barack Hussein Obama, the first black president of the United States of America. They do not believe that Barack Obama would pick a racist segregationist to be his vice president. And by the way, they would be right. Joe Biden is many things, but a racist segregationist, he is not, despite what some other Democrats are claiming. The reason that there are so many Democrats screaming about Joe Biden's race issues is because they need black women to no longer like him. But they do. And they're going to vote for him. And you know who else likes Joe Biden? White middle-class Democrats. Now, there aren't as many white middle-class Democrats as there used to be. White rich Democrats don't like Joe Biden, but white middle-class Democrats and blue-collar Democrats love Joe Biden. So you have white blue-collar and white middle-class Democrats love Joe Biden. Black women love Joe Biden. Black men like Joe Biden. He's going to be the nominee. He's going to—all of this is— kabuki theater in the run-up to his nomination now i could be wrong things could change there could be some new scandal he could seriously put his foot in his mouth but all this right now is just noise and it's not penetrating the psyche of the average voter of the democratic party they want a winner and they perceive barack obama's vice president as their winner you need to keep that in mind he's probably going to be the nominee barring some unforeseen circumstance that hasn't come up yet these current stories, I don't think they're going to knock him very much in the polls. Now, again, I could be wrong. I didn't think Trump was going to win either in 2016. But the thing that Democrats are doing is they're not playing these other Democrats. They're not playing a long-term strategy. Paul Begala and James Carville wrote a book on campaign strategy. 
a number of years ago, back when I was doing campaign management, I actually got their book. It's actually a really good book. Um, and it is, uh, the book actually has a great pancake recipe in it too. <laughs> but one of the things that they wrote, now I, I, was a, I was a campaign strategist for a number of years while I was at a law firm. I was running political campaigns, uh, state, federal, local campaigns. Uh, I was doing paley, polling, mail pieces, design, uh, get out the vote programs, uh, county coordination. I mean, you, you name it, I was doing it on a campaign from licking envelopes to designing the strategy for the campaign. One of the things they said that always struck me and stuck with me is you've got to plan a campaign strategy to win the election. And by win the election, they did not mean the primary. They meant the general election. Do not do anything that allows you to win the primary but then costs you the general election. And a lot of the Democrats are doing that with Joe Biden. They're playing a short-term game to win a primary, but doing it in such a way as to lose the general election. Joe Biden is hurting himself within the Democratic primary because he's already playing at a general election game. The thing that Joe Biden's got for him in the strategy, though, is for as much as it alienates certain Democrats, most Democrats want a winner. And if Joe Biden's already playing the general election game, that signifies he's a winner. And it makes sense to them. They intuitively understand we want a winner. This guy's playing like he is the winner, so he is going to be the winner, and this is a general election strategy. But what these other Democrats are doing, I'm sorry, I wound up on this. I love campaign stuff. Uh, I love getting into the weeds and this stuff. It's fascinating to me. So it's, I, it's playing chess, and I'm a terrible chess player, but I, I can play it out on the board with campaign strategy, and I can tell you what's going to happen here. You've got these Democrats who are attacking Joe Biden as being a racist segregationist. And they say they're serious, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying she's serious about concentration camps. They're serious. Joe Biden is a racist segregationist, according to these progressive Democrats. And he's going to be their nominee. So what does that leave them with to attack Donald Trump in the general? Our racist segregationist is better than yours? That's where they're headed. Or... Um, hey, millennials, vote for our racist grandpa, not their racist grandpa. <laughs> I mean, that that's where they're headed with this. They're playing to win a primary by beating Joe Biden. They're not playing to win a general election against Donald Trump. They're, they're missing the ball here. This, this is amateur hour within the Democratic Party. So you got Joe Biden out there. The Democrats are vilifying him as a racist, which he's not. He's many things, but he's not a racist. Uh, uh, he, he's very progressive. I couldn't vote for him, uh, but he's not a racist. He's actually a, a very nice guy. And I realize you're not allowed to say nice things about the other side now, but Joe Biden and his wife, they're nice people. Even if I disagree with him po politically, even if I can't vote for him, he's a nice guy. And the Democrats have to vilify him to make black women hate him, which they're having a hard time doing. But what they're doing is they're immunizing Donald Trump from the attacks they really want to make on him, that he's the second coming of the KKK. That is what the Democrats want to attack Donald Trump with. That is what they want to do to keep Hispanic voters from going to Donald Trump. And what are Hispanic voters going to do? Wait, what? It's like the cartoon you see, the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. Which racist are you, the Democrat or the Republican? It's not going to work for them, but that's what they're going to do. It's going to be fun to watch, actually, when you think about it. The Democrats tearing each other up over the next couple of months, hysterical. If you don't know your numbers, you really don't know your business. And the problem a lot of growing businesses have is they've got a bunch of different systems, so they don't really know their systems. They've got a system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's a big and efficient mess, taking a lot of time, a lot of resources, and it hurts the bottom line. Well, Oracle is introducing NetSuite. It's a business management software. It handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud format, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, HR, everything from your desktop or even your phone. It's why NetSuite's the no number one cloud business system in the world. And right now, NetSuite is offering valuable insight with free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Eric. That's netsuite.com slash Eric. Download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash Eric. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Now, 
Let us, uh, let's see, I got time for phone calls. I am going to go to Charles in Grayson. You are next. Welcome. How you doing, Eric? Good. How are you? All right, man. I, you know, I just love hearing you talk, man. You could be a storyteller, man, just especially when it comes around this holiday season when you tell your stories. I love that. Um, I see where the Democrats unanimously voted to uh, pass a bill to force male athletes to participate in uh, female sports in, in schools now. Is, yes. Is that the, real? It is the Equality Act. Um, it, they don't have a sponsor in the Senate. It's not actually very popular. It was pushed by the, the BLT&G community. Um, the so what the Equality Act does, one of the many things it does is it would require that schools allow boys who think they're girls, not that they physically are, but think they are, uh, to participate in female athletic events. Uh, it would blur the lines between male and female sports. And you know we're seeing there's a there's a actually a lawsuit that's been filed in federal court, I think in Washington now, by some female athletes because their school is allowing boys to play on the girls' team now, and it's hurting their abilities to get uh, scholarships for girls. And this It's all part of the madness of current society, Charles. It really is. And the Democrats in the Senate aren't even sponsoring this um, Equality Act. It's a bad news act. Taylor Swift came out in favor of it, which put it on my daughter's radar. And she's like, what do you think about this? It's like, well, do you want to play on the same sports team as boys? And she's like, no. I was like, well, that, that's what this would allow. It would allow boys to decide, well, I'm a girl now and play on a girl's team. It's like the story that was out a couple weeks ago. A, a guy, he was a track and field athlete, I think, uh, had never cleared the top 300 track athletes in the world and suddenly uh, broke a record in girls' sport. You know, that male and female athletes are not the same. Uh, talk to Venus and Serena Williams. They're very open with this. You know, at one point they played a game against a guy. It was so funny. Guy says he stayed out all night drinking, smoking cigarettes all morning, and, and still beat whichever one he played. Uh, and he wasn't in the top 300 or top 200, I think. Um, it's just fascinating. Um, this is a real problem, uh, this this mental illness that has swept through the country where people believe that uh, science is their God except when science hurts their feelings and then they can believe whatever they want to believe and somehow we, the rest of us have to treat this all seriously. None of us should be treating this stuff seriously except we should be very serious that these people mean business. And it's deeply disturbing what it's going to do to our girls and to our boys as well. It really is. Um, if gender is a social construct, why is there a spectrum and why must we humor it? I mean, they tell us that gender is a social construct. If that's the case, why do you need a surgery to conform to something that's a social construct? None of it makes any sense. It is the logic of the insane asylum. And yet there are a large number of people in this country who agree with it. 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Hi, it's Eric Erickson. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Yes, I, I am totally going to uh, beg again. Your prayers are appreciated. I, I, I cannot express to you just how high my stress level is right now with this conference and having to pick up new sponsors. Um, it, it's it's going to be a fantastic conference. I really do hope you'll you'll try to come. I mean, we're... we're it's not going to be the president who's coming, but it could be close. I just can't tell you who. Um, but we do have to have the presidential draping and the piping. Um, and, man, security costs all that, and we lost one of our sponsors. So, hey, if any of you are listening and you're millionaires and just want to write a check to help sponsor the, or, or you own a business because it's not tax deductible, but a business can sponsor and take an advertising deduction. Oh, my gosh, I'm stressed. Prayers are appreciated very much so. Prayers are appreciated. If you want to come to the conference, text uh, WSB to 345-345, and um, you'll get back an Eventbrite link. Uh, it's actually starting to fill up now. I'm kind of impressed. And, and once I can tell you who who's being flown down in a, in a big fancy jet uh, to come speak on the stage, the price is going to jack up. I mean... So if you want to come, text W or yeah, text Atlanta to three four five three four five. I have very many text keywords, but prayers are appreciated as well. I, I really am stressed. 
and it happens every time this year. Um, I, it is an inordinate amount of stress. Uh, and now realizing I'm going to have to make up the cost uh, and, and add some extra sponsors to make this happen and put on a show that's worthy of a uh, nationally elected person. Um, got to gotta make it happen. Um, also, a, a transcript has leaked of text messages between Sean Hannity and Paul Manafort this afternoon. The U.S. federal court has released this text message transcript. It's a, it's a long, ongoing, it looks like it's Twitter direct message. Uh, between Sean Hannity and Paul Manafort. And I just, there are a lot of people out there who think that Sean Hannity makes up the stuff he says, that he doesn't really believe it. You read the transcript and you can sleep well at night knowing Sean Hannity really does believe the stuff he says on TV and radio. Um, it, it's very clear from his transcript uh, with Paul Manafort. You can go find that for yourself. I'm um, not going not gonna to pass it around myself, but you can go find it. It's all over the place now. Liberals are just eating it up, of course. Now, let us go to the phones here. 404-872-0750, wsb talk Tanya in Atlanta, you are up next. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Well, I appreciate listening to you. I am a Democrat and also a black woman. But I must tell you, I think that 98% of what you say is very fair regarding the Democrat Party. But please remember, we're not all crazy lunatics, but there are quite a few. <laughs> there, there you go. Well, listen, uh, have you seen my side lately? I can't say anything about crazy lunatics. <laughs> you know, I think Democrats need to get it together, and we need to follow the Republican um, directive on how to win elections. Because going after Joe Biden, when I agree with you, he's no racist. You know, and demanding an apology that's totally unnecessary. You know, one thing I admire about Trump, he doesn't apologize. And Democrats need to grow some backbones and stop apologizing and stop eating each other dead. We're never going to win elections that way. And um, that's kind of all I wanted to yeah, say. Okay, um, so can, can I can I just, uh, just the two, yeah. it, it's just us talking now, but can I just admit that it's actually one of the things that frustrates me about the president and the political environment is nobody does want to apologize. And when I try to tell my kids, you know, you need to apologize, you messed up. And and now the, the, the role models in this country, the, the big elected officials, all of them are like, I'm not apologizing for that. And, and I, just, I have to agree with you. There's a double sword to it you know what are you saying to the children of the country but at the same time it wins elections it does it, and, and you look weak if you apologize and right and, exactly it's, it's so frustrating i you you just made my day i'm, I'm so glad that somebody <laughs> well, let me from the make other it one last. can i say one more thing sure. one final thing it's really short um i absolutely love your aocd thoughts <laughs> uh, man you're making charlie's day on this because she is a nightmare for Democrats, and we need to disown her and push her out of the party. We do not think like her, all of us, and she is she's way out there. Well, look, That's all I to say. thank you. You have a wonderful, blessed weekend, Tanya. Thank you so much for calling. Uh, that really makes my day. See, Republicans and Democrats, we, we, we can totally, we can totally agree on stuff. And now, Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We don't need to just stop doing some things we are doing. We also need to start doing new things. That was Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> I'm so glad y'all like this. We have more new ones coming. Um, all we do is we take her own words and play them there. Bill and coming, you're going to be next. Welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry, Eric. I'm laughing after that one. <laughs> What's going on, Bill? That was beautiful. Um, real quick, I totally respect Donald Trump's decision to uh, not knee-jerk, you know, and back this down. Wait a minute, guys. Let's think about this. And uh, uh, I totally respect that. Now, if he called him up tonight and said, all right, Dudes, I want a $130 million check on my desk in the morning, or else we're going to rethink this for mm -hmm. that drone, because that's what it costs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, and, and all my prayers to you, 
I well, know you're stressed out. Man, I, look, I appreciate it very much. You know, it, it's funny you should say what you're saying. Mike Lee, the senator from Utah, who's, who's been one of the president's critics of the Senate, actually, has come out and said he he's spoken to the president and totally understands his logic of backing down. Uh, does he sees think the, the media, bigger picture. Yeah, does think the media as well kind of mischaracterized the president's thought process in this um, and that the president is committed to not escalating the situation. And that, that that's really good to hear, I think. It is 55 after the hour. I, so Chris Burns was on here yesterday, and we were discussing this Toy Story 4 movie. He and I were totally going to go see it. Um, I'm actually amazed at the reviews of Toy Story 4. It, it is not a movie that needed to be made. Let's just admit this. Um, but it has a 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes right now. And here's the thing. Um, a lot of times what we're seeing happen on some of these movies is we're seeing a critical score is is either high and the audience score low or the critic score low and the audience score high. Uh, here you've got the, the critical score is 97% critical consensus. The audience score is 96%. So I totally intend to go see this movie. Um, it, it should be good. And from what I'm told... It is very, very much about Woody and Woody coming to terms with life and existence. And I have had two friends of mine tell me that they cried, in their words, separate conversations, adult tears, uh, going to see this movie. So I very much want to see Toy Story. Uh, And it, it is remarkable that Disney has been able to uh, crank out such consistent movies. It, it's clear they, they love Toy Story. Toy Story is the movie that, that made Pixar. Uh, I will tell you my f- two favorite Pixar movies. I, I got a lot of Pixar. They just make great films, but up, I, I, I still, I think up is a masterpiece. I, I really do. I, I think up is a masterpiece and I, I just, I love the Incredibles. Those are they're, they're wonderful movies, and of course, Spider Man comes out in a couple of weeks. There's a lot of summer movie scenes, and but I'm at the age now, and and some of you may be as well, where I feel guilty. I want to go see movies. Some of them they're not appropriate for the family, and I feel guilty giving up that amount of time to go see a movie. Or should I stay up late and go after everybody's asleep? I don't know. I I feel guilty about a lot of things these days. (laughs) All right, folks, you guys have a great weekend. I will see you back here on Monday. Text Atlanta to 345-345 to come to the Resurgent Conference.